Hey, welcome to the Default Alive podcast. I'm Corey. And I'm Chris. And this is our audio documentary of our journeys building profitable internet businesses. And so if this is your first time listening, you can learn more about us and get up to speed by starting at episode number one. But if you're a regular, welcome back. Good morning. Corey, good morning. How are you? Doing pretty good. Yeah, it's it's another week. It's uh, it's bright and sunny after a couple of days of rain for once here in San Diego and feeling good. I know. It felt like, I don't know, what would you call it? Fall, winter this weekend? It was... Yeah, <laughs> it was finally winter. It was it would, like dropped below below 60 for the first time like all year, I think. Yep. My wife and I uh, were thinking about going camping this weekend. So we've been meaning to for the last couple of months, but it's just been like busy and stuff. And then we're looking at the weather in like uh, up in Mount Laguna, which is like, you know, it's like an hour ish outside of downtown San Diego. And uh, she's like, oh, it's not going to be that cold. And we were walking out of Costco last night and we were freezing. And I was like, it's going to be so much colder than it is right now. She's like, no, it's not. I was like, I bet you it's not even like barely below 60 right now. And we looked and it was 57. And then we looked at the weather in Mount Laguna for this weekend. And it was supposed to be like, a high of 56 and a low of 28. And I was like, <laughs> oh. we, don't, we don't even know what cold is. This isn't, this isn't even a, a taste of how cold it can get. I know. Yeah, it's uh, that always shocks me now when I check the temperature and I'm like, oh, it's, yeah, like you said, upper 50s. And it feels to me like it's 30 degrees or something. And, and this is from someone who, you know, I lived in Chicago for eight years. Uh, That's right. Huh? And I've totally lost all of the, the hardiness that I had while I was there. San Diego spoiled you. Yeah. <laughs> that was funny. Yeah. But feeling good. Yeah. It's, it's, um, maybe what was after like the second longest week of the year after the first week of lockdown, it feels like I can work again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm very curious to hear how your week was knowing, uh, how mine went. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was, um, it was more productive than I thought it was going to be, to be honest. So I'm pretty proud of myself for being able to kind of push through it and get rid of the distractions. Uh, I tried my hardest. I was like checking Twitter a lot, but I wasn't watching any of the news. So I was like, I mean, it's not worth me, especially after Tuesday night. I was like, okay, we're not going to go know for a while. I'm just going to kind of check out. And then like, you know, my wife will tell me or something, you know, will tell me kind of the updates and, uh, so, yeah, I mean, I got a, a few things done. I still don't feel good. Like, I sort of realized today, I feel like I had like a confession to make, which is that I've been like procrastinating a few things, sort of being like a perfectionist. Mm. Um, specifically, these new content types for swipe files that I've been wanting to, to launch. And feel, it feels like I've been talking about them for like a month now, which I might have been. I can look back in my notes. But, uh, one, I, I think I'm like fighting a few things I'm having to like finally let go, which is, sort of perfectionism, like I need, I want to button them all up when I really just need to launch something kind of uh, quick and dirty and kind of rough. Two is um, actually like building out sort of the site and the content on uh, within Webflow and like designing the pages and whatnot. Um, Cause I need, I, like that isn't like done, it's like 80% there. Um, and then the third one is like wanting to launch with a whole bunch of content when I should just like, launch with like one, you know, just like a starter, just like get something out there, take the first step. But I'm like, Oh, I can package up, you know, 30 templates and I like launch with all of them. Like, what am I doing? Like, this is not realistic. Um, so, uh, I felt bad about that last week that I wanted to get those out. And I think I might've even talked about it the last week that I, that was like my goal was to launch one or two of them. Mm -hmm. But this week I am committing to launching one or two of those new content types and just getting them on the site. Not, not really like announcing or launching, but just like having them sort of published to work with. Um, but yeah, I mean, otherwise the, the other things I've been working on are sort of like half baked, like, um, um, I took a first pass at a new homepage for swipe files, which I feel pretty good about. Right. I'm sort of like working on and now I'm letting it sit for a little while. Um, and also working on sort of redoing the newsletter and the lead magnet and sort of like the giveaways for the newsletter as well. So I think I'll be able to make some pretty good progress in that this week as well. And then launching uh, sort of a marketing digest newsletter, 
which sounds like more work than it is, but I'm doing it through Mailbrew. And uh, so I'm also putting that out there. It's what's something I'm producing. So it should be pretty easy to just like, you know, I already know what I want to do now. For a while, I didn't really know what to do, but now I think I do. Um, and then I also secured the second sponsor for Everything is Marketing. So I had one lined up. Um, oh, wow. And now I have the second sponsor all the way through episode 24. So it feels pretty good. That's great. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, I think to, to go back to what you were saying about developing the new content types, yeah, I've certainly found that every time I've tried to be a perfectionist or, uh, you know, really build out a feature or an offering, I usually always regret not launching it sooner and not launching it smaller. Yeah, um, yeah so I think that's that's probably the right call there. Yeah, it's hard because it's like, it's one of those things where when you're on the outside looking in and like you hear me say that, you're like, oh, duh, like mm -hmm. just launch something small, right? And even me saying it now, I'm like, well, duh, what have I been doing? But the last, you know, two weeks I've been like battling like, oh, what should I launch? And like, I have like these, you know, unrealistic expectations and goals and I don't have like the, uh, so like I can't like take a step back and see like, hey, I think you're taking off a bigger bite that you can chew or you're, you know, trying to launch something um, more, you know, bigger or later than you should, like launch it earlier and launch it smaller. So it's just like being able to take a step back and see that and accept it. <laughs> yeah. When, you, when you're in the middle of it, it always feels like, you know, you're questioning, is, is this going to be valuable enough? I think it needs to be bigger. I think I need to have more content. Uh, but I think we tend to underestimate how much value you can deliver with you know just your first iteration of it yeah yeah and something i've been trying to be more mindful of as well as uh getting more in a mindset of like you know sort of the the work in public build in public um but also really leaning leaning into the community as well since i have a good amount of people in there where now you know i should be asking like hey what kind of templates are you looking for and what kind of checklist would would be valuable and mm -hmm. um like seeding out sort of early versions and being like you know is this helpful is it not helpful uh, where, where can I improve or what other things, um, would you want to be covered in there? Right. Um, instead of me just like doing it all myself and then being like, surprise, here's like this big new thing. Um, really trying to lean into the customer and like all the things that I talk about that I'm, I need to practice myself. Yeah. That's so awesome. I mean, now you're, you're, you're operating in the real world. You're not just delivering sort of whatever you can think of in your mind. It's, uh, Corey Gwynn has this great saying, he always says, uh, we live in a shared reality, meaning, uh, mm. it's, it's not just what you think of, it's how other people perceive things, what they're looking for. And, uh, yeah, when you can deliver something that people have asked for, obviously that's going to be, uh, extremely well received. Yeah. Yeah, that's a big one. So I need to, I need to really lean into that. Actually, today I sort of launched like a new um, practice or uh, like recurring kind of post where we're doing basically like a uh, a work in public kind of like weekly thread. So like Monday mornings, posting, um, hey everyone, like if if you want to answer the questions, if you want to sort of post what you're working on, here's the place to do it. And there's four questions we go through, which is just what you do last week, um, anything you learned what are you planning on doing this week? And then like, are there any challenges or blockers that you have? And, uh, so hoping that'll also be like another way where I can cultivate that sort of work in public mindset and, uh, get things out early and tell people sort of what I'm thinking about and invite that feedback. Yeah. I love that. That's awesome. I, I really like that with the swipe files community, you're coming up with all these different ways for people to, interact with the community to take advantage of it. It's not just, uh, you know, people posting, here's this problem I have, or, uh, you know, help me with this. Like, obviously there's always going to be that in any community and that's very valuable, but to have other ways that people are interacting, like the work in progress posts, I think that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's been fun. I mean, I, I'm really enjoying it. It's, it's, uh, it's been interesting, like, again, cause that's something I haven't done before. So mm -hmm. it's, a little bit outside of my, you know, what I would call my circle of competence and what I'm used to. 
And so I had like a very sort of beginner mindset and very much um, seeing everything sort of new for the first time. Um, and I think that's helped in a lot of ways because I haven't really uh, like exercised the playbook. You know, it was like literally launching the community was like asking people if they would be interested, one, and then like asking them why. And then like slowly inviting people like one by one sort of through DMs and email and anyone who seemed to show some sort of interest and then, uh, and then like posting random things and like letting sort of these things, uh, surface naturally. Like I didn't have the idea. I mean, I had an idea for like a, uh, a weekly post and actually I, I posted last week asking for what the best format would be. Like, would people be interested in sort of like a daily standup or like a weekly standup or maybe just like sporadically kind of sharing when there's something worthy of being shared. And a lot of people were like, yeah, we'd really like a weekly thing. So like, imagine if I just, uh, I was like, God, what an idiot. Like, what if I just started doing the daily standups and everyone's like, we don't want this. Like, <laughs> but no one, you know, might not have told me. Right. So like, I'm glad that I asked. Yeah. Uh, and then someone else was like, oh, what if we did, um, like a wins Wednesday. And I was like, dope. I love it. Like, let's do it. That sounds fantastic. I've also had a similar idea, but like, I'm glad that someone else threw it out there and not me. That's really cool. Yeah. I, I found it surprisingly um, uh, fulfilling. I think like, I think I'm noticing something about myself. This is a little bit like philosophical, um, but I really get a lot of um, joy out of uh, like seeing my advice or like being able to facilitate something that helps someone else with their marketing. Like I don't, I don't really love doing marketing for people, I sort of like enabling other people to do better marketing, which I think plays into this whole swipe files idea, which is like, okay, great. I think I'm on the right track here. Mm -hmm. Thank goodness. But, uh, like watching people interact within the community and answer questions and, um, build connections is like, it feels like sort of purposeful. Like this is a, a good thing that I'm doing, not just like, a, uh, you know, when, when people talk about like, oh, just add value, or give back like it's it's a little bit like superficial but this feels like meaningful uh i guess on a deeper level yeah no i can see that even with uh however many what was it two years ago when you started the san diego indie hackers group uh a big part of that was you sharing what you've learned about marketing and your experiences and uh, your techniques and you can, I mean, just from watching you and meeting you through that, I can tell that you get a lot of joy and satisfaction out of that. And you've helped a lot of people in that group as well. Yeah. Yeah. And it's fun. So I guess I just need to find more ways to sort of lean into that. But um, I think the community, the content will be a big part of that. Um, but it's exciting. I, I really love, honestly, I, I'm really, really happy with Circle as well. Like I know that it's not, it's not just the platform. But like I couldn't, I couldn't imagine doing this in Facebook or doing it in Slack. Even it just wouldn't really feel right. And it's it's been pretty. I feel lucky that I've been able to use uh, Circle and sort of like came on to this whole thing right when they were you know going into their public launch and being available for everyone. And uh, it's been great timing. So yeah, yeah, I've been really impressed with their platform. So I'm curious yeah, if you fun. can. Are you able to talk at all about sort of the process of uh, landing the podcast sponsorships? Yeah, um, it was pretty simple actually. I made a list of who I think would be a good sponsor. Um, in other words, that they would appeal to the audience that I'm looking for um, or that I'm looking to appeal to, which is really just marketers of all sort of walks and industries and, and skill sets levels of expertise. Um, so in the marketing world, um, and then companies that I liked personally that I feel like I could write a good ad for. So one of the things I, I knew that I wanted to do was for the ads that were run on the podcast, like I didn't want them to record it. I didn't want them to tell me what to record. Like I wanted to be able to write an ad myself and then give it as sort of like a natural segue within the podcast episode. Mm -hmm. Um, so I was like, who could I, who would I think I could write like a good ad for? 
And so I sort of made a short list of those companies. Um, and I knew that I, I had to reach out to, you know, I'd probably get a yes from like one in five or one in 10 possibly. So I made a list of 20 and then I just started emailing them from the people that I knew. Um, some of them I knew pretty well. Some of them I didn't know at all. <coughs> um, and, uh, and that's literally, I mean, so it was one in 10, right? So I, I got two from the 20 that I reached out to and it was pretty simple. I was just, you know, uh, I could pull up the email maybe if it's, if it's helpful, but it was basically, Hey, uh, you know me, I know you, I'm starting this new podcast and here's the premise. And I was thinking that I would love to have you as a sponsor and here's what that would entail is I would write the ad. You would create a, a specialized landing page. Um, here's like an idea of sort of the pricing, but since it's pre-launch, you know, I was basically trying to tell them that I'm, I'm being very flexible about it. And then I just asked if they were, if they would be interested in sponsoring a podcast, uh, in sort of this Q4 kind of term. And a lot of people said no and to check up later. And then the two, uh, that said yes, eventually, you know, said that they were interested. And so just a matter of details at that point. Awesome. Wow. That's super cool. Yeah. Yeah, I'll once once it goes live, I'll, I'll probably do something within the Swipe Files community about uh, landing them and writing the ads and sort of what the process was like. Um, but until it's uh, until it's live, I'll, I'll I'll keep the the names a secret, and that way we, we can have a, a bigger yeah. sort of uh, announcement around them. And I can't remember. Do you have an official launch date for that? Not yet. Um, I was thinking. I, it's probably going to be what, what I've been trying to put a finger on is probably late November, early December. Um, cause one I needed, I wanted to be able to record enough episodes to put together like an intro episode that's just like 30 seconds, introduce the idea of the podcast. And then I could like launch it and start getting subscribers before it was like officially launched. And then I could have like a couple of weeks to sort of post some clips of some videos or some, uh, kind of teasers, um, and, uh, so that one, I need to be able to record enough episodes. I think I'm just now right around that point where I have enough episodes to draw from for the intro episode. And then the other thing that I'm waiting on is the podcast cover art. Um, so I'm working with an illustrator to come up with kind of a custom illustration and that'll probably take another two weeks ish. So I'm hoping to basically like announce and pre-launch within a couple of weeks and then like publish and like officially launch a couple of weeks after that. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, I, I've seen the, uh, the guest lineup that you already have. So I'm, I'm very excited for that podcast to launch. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's been really great. I, um, the people have been very, very responsive. Uh, and yeah, the lineup is really good. I'm trying to also, with the launch batch, my, my thought is, uh, instead of just like releasing one, I would release like five or 10. I think I'm going to do 10 now at the beginning. That way people can kind of just like binge through, but also to really like communicate the premise of the show, which is that it is very broad. And so I wanted to have a guest lineup that represented that sort of diversity, you know, between men and women, between different industries, different business types, different uh, skill sets or like what we were talking about. So I, I needed sort of like a set of people who could represent, uh, SAS and e-commerce and creators and men and women and early stage, late stage, um, to be sort of a, a diverse group that would really show what the, what, what the show was about. Yeah, that's great. And I, I think that you are uniquely suited to do this just based on the network that you've built and, uh, all the people in the startup and business community that you've uh, either previously worked with or interacted with in some way. So yeah, this is going to be great. Yeah, it's fun. I'm already, I mean like, man, this is um, like too easy and too fun for me because <laughs> I'm just reaching out to people who I would want to talk to anyways. And like, it's a great excuse. And uh, yeah, and I already have like some previously built sort of relationships or at least people of, you know, actually one of the things I talked about with Rand Fishkin, who was the first, uh, the first guest that I had was um, he was talking about the idea of like, you know, how do you forge sort of these collaborations with people? And he was like, it's all about like doing something before. So it's like a warm introduction. 
And he was like, we didn't know each other, but like I had seen your face around and like you had commented on my stuff and he was like, oh wait, and actually didn't you like try SparkToro out and like sort of give me some feedback? And I was like, oh, I forgot I did that. But like I had responded to one of his emails like a year ago and he was first beta, uh, beta in the product and I gave him some feedback on it. And, um, and so I think I've been lucky enough to just like have like these seeds planted in a few places and now I'm able mm-hmm. to sort of harvest them a little bit. Yeah. It's so interesting how if you, you take the time to, like you said, provide feedback or provide someone value without like, you're not doing that thinking maybe one day I'll be able to cash this in and, and interview right. Rand on my future podcast. Uh, you're just doing it because one, you find probably the topic interesting uh, and you want to provide that feedback. It reminds me of you've written about the story of you getting hired at Bear Metrics, and uh, I think it right. was you just responded to their uh, their uh, request for their their interview request for people they were looking for uh, someone to hire, and you were like, "Hey, I think I would look for this, this, and this," uh, and eventually that person became you. Right. <laughs> yeah, that that was exactly how it went. I mean, it's I think it's um it was something that I wasn't conscious of at the time, but now looking back, I'm like, oh, this has been huge. You know, even just like interacting with people on Twitter, like commenting, you you have some sort of like engagement or you uh you show your face to them enough times and then like you become sort of known, right? You're not just like an anonymous random person. Um so even if it's small things as small as a comment on a Twitter post, right? Or, tw- or on a tweet, um, that can go a long way later on. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So what's new with you? How was your week? Oh man. Um, so for anyone out there who just heard how Corey was able to power through, have a great week. <laughs> <laughs> if you're feeling bad, don't feel bad because I, uh, I had a pretty miserable week productivity wise. Um, yeah, I, I, I got totally sucked into the election stuff and um, it was it was tough. Like I, I was starting to really beat myself up over it, feel pretty bad about it um, later in the week as like I hadn't gotten a lot done. Uh, but, you know, now going into the weekend and this week, it's sort of come to terms with it. Like it's one week. Uh it was sort of a unique anomaly um, and, you know, can just move past it now. Uh, the other thing that happened last yeah. week for whatever reason, uh, you know, so I'm, I'm already not productive, just getting, like I said, sucked into all the election stuff. And then there was kind of an uptick in uh, customer support requests last week. Um and I, th- I think I've said this before in, in providing customer support for JetBoost, this has given me just a hundred times more empathy for anyone uh, who works in customer support, whether it's for uh, a software product or in retail or, uh, you know, any job where you're, you're interacting with customers like that, because it's, it's so hard. Like you have to, no matter what's going on in your personal life, no matter what your mood is, like you have to be able to set all of that aside, uh, Mm. and you know, have empathy for the person that's reaching out to support, uh, have patience with them, uh, regardless of how you're currently feeling at the time. And, and that was quite a challenge last week for me. Yeah. I, I think, um, uh, tell me if, if I'm repeating myself, but it might've been, I think I was catching up on a few episodes. So I'm like having a hard time figuring out when this was, but I just listened to uh, an episode of, um, startup to last and Tyler was talking about how every quarter, I think they give their customer success team like a day off and mm. then like the whole company does support in place of them. And he was just like, oh my gosh, one day, like he was just like, how, do, how do these, how do our employees do this all day, every day? Like it's a, it's exhausting. Um, it's tolling. Like it's, I think the, the mental side of things of like, yeah, putting aside all the, 
um, personal or emotional stuff kind of going in your own head, but then also just like cranking out help and like expending emotional energy with customers all day long is, um, it's not for everyone. It's, it's, t- it's hard work. Yeah. Yeah, it certainly is. And, uh, the, the other challenge with it is it's, if you sort of just try to set it aside, like it's only going to snowball, uh, and avalanche even further as more requests come in. Uh, yeah. So yeah, last week, um, I would say even the, the level of support that I was providing was not up to, uh, the standard that it's been. And I had a few people who actually like reached out to follow up and be like, Hey, did you get my last message? And, you know, just (laughs) receiving stuff like that, uh, certainly did not feel good and is not the, uh, level of support that I strive to provide with JetBoost. Um, so mm-hmm. yeah, that, w- that was certainly a challenge uh, last week. Yeah, that, that's a tough one. That never feels good. Like, yeah. oh, dang it, I didn't get back to this person <laughs> in time. Or given, I mean, I think, you know, it was a hard week for everyone last week. And so sort of we should all give each other a bit of grace and ourselves a bit of grace on that. But um, still not a fun feeling regardless. Yeah. Yeah. Not, not the best, but, um, like I said, moving forward and, uh, Friday was actually quite productive. Uh, I had, so it was, I think I've talked about it before on this podcast. I'm doing a mastermind group through founder summit and it was my turn to do like the weekly hot seat. Uh, so that was, that was quite, a fun experience. Um, I've never really done a, a mastermind like this one before where it's, it's very structured. Each week is, um, one person's turn to be in this hot seat where they do a deep dive into their business and a problem that they're facing. Uh, so for me, I got to, uh, get the feedback on from the rest of the group, uh, regarding a, significant change that I'm thinking about making to the JetBoost pricing model. Um, mm. So that that was a pretty interesting discussion. I, I got a lot of really good feedback there. And, and basically, uh, for those listening that don't know, uh, right now, JetBoost is priced uh, per product. So there's a separate subscription for each product. And there's currently four uh, of these different plugins or add-ons for Webflow available today. So um, someone were to sign up for JetBoost, every different feature that they want to use of JetBoost, they have to pay for separately. And uh, I won't get into all the reasons why it is the way it is, but that's it's just sort of become that um, from how it started. And yeah. I haven't changed the pricing at all in uh, what is over a year now. And the problem with it is, and it's so funny because I actually had a call uh, right before we recorded this with someone, um, not to talk about JetBoost pricing, (laughs) but uh, I'm going to be talking at uh, the Madrid Webflow meetup. And at the very end, yeah, uh, which is cool. Um, (laughs) He mentioned how he uses JetBoost with his company and they're using two of the JetBoost products right now. and they're thinking about adding a third one uh but he was saying how so the third one they're looking at is this ability to auto archive items and right now they're doing it manually so it'd make a lot of sense for them to use uh the jetboost auto archiving it's like but we're trying to figure out like is it worth adding a third subscription or not and like hearing mm-hmm. that just kills me uh because my goal for jetboost which i realized in talking with the people at founder summit is like I would rather underprice JetBoost and have it just be this default add-on that you use if you're a Webflow customer. Like it just makes sense for you to use JetBoost, um, and to have those two be synonymous, I think is is really my goal with it. Uh, it's not mm. to nickel and dime each customer to use each feature. Uh, so yeah, trying to figure out how to basically bundle everything up in JetBoost, uh, provide it for uh, a much lower cost, but also uh, 
of course, not wanting to like slash revenue in half, um, trying to figure out how to make all of that work. And I think there will be some, uh, I felt like I made pretty good progress there and there's going to be some exciting changes for, um, current JetBoost customers and also future JetBoost customers that will, uh, hopefully be quite well received. Hmm. Are you thinking about doing like a test with, um, like a small subset of current customers or maybe a test with only new customers who sign up for a while or like what's the, the thought behind giving a little test run? Yeah. So one of the things I got out of the, um, the hot seat, which was a great suggestion and what you're saying is to, uh, to run a test with a segment of customers who have only purchased one of the JetBoost products, um, mm. target that group with an offer of, you know, if you were to upgrade to this amount, you would get everything. Would that be interesting to you? And really right there, that will tell me if, um, if this is the route to go down or not. That's a good idea. Yeah. yeah. And that wasn't like something I was with or go ahead. I was gonna say, I like testing it with, um, not everyone, but especially, and not, not just like a, a percentage of all of your customers who might just be like sort of a, a random mix, but like specifically customers who are only using one of the boosters who it's essentially like an upsell in a way, but they're getting more out of it. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I hadn't thought of that at all. And, um, that's really a, a great suggestion, uh, that I'm yeah looking forward to trying out and seeing how it goes. So, so assuming that the test goes well with that subset of customers, would you then want to sort of flip the switch and try to migrate everyone over or would you then test it with new customers or? Yeah. Um, I, if I can structure it correctly in the way that I'm thinking about, uh, I'll be able to leave all the old customers on their current plans, but it will make a lot of sense for most existing customers to move over to the new plans because they're going to get, uh, more of jet boost for, uh, either basically what they're paying now, or in some cases, even less than what they're paying now. Um, right. So, yeah, hoping to be able to do that. There will be certainly some challenges with um, maintaining kind of both structures for a while and figuring out how all that's going to work. Um, the other thing that I'm hoping to do, and this is actually ties into uh, Savvy Cal, <laughs> which you you are now working with them. Yeah. Um, so I noticed when I signed up for Savvy Cal and purchased a subscription, uh, they are using the new Stripe like hosted checkout. And it's it's like a pretty good experience. And I'm realizing if I am able to change the JetBoost pricing model to this kind of new, more uh, traditional SaaS, like three-tiered structure, uh, I'd be able to use the Stripe hosted checkout, it would save me so much time from having to write mm. any billing code. Um, like right now in JetBoost, if you want to switch from monthly to annual, you just can't do it because I'd have to write code for you to do that. And it, you oh, know, yeah. so right now people just ask me and I go do it for them. Um, mm. So yeah, lots of, lots of little things like that. Uh, it would be pretty significant gain um, from being able to just let Stripe handle all of that. Um, because me writing billing code doesn't really uh, help anyone who's using Webflow. Like I should be building more boosters and add-ons for Webflow instead. Right. Yeah, that's a good one. So basically, like that'll that'll be like the catalyst to you switching over to the Stripe billing uh, customer portal, whatever they call it. Yeah. Um, and letting them handle that instead of doing it yourself. Exactly. Yep. Yeah, that's good. I, I'm always, I mean, I think that one of the, the cool kind of benefits of no code that a lot of people don't talk about is how it replaces things in current uh, SaaS businesses. And I love that because it's like, it's, the more you can focus on your core competency and what you are great at and sort of the uh, the actual 
product itself and not all the extraneous things. Or I even saw, what was it? I forget what it was called, but I saw the SaaS that was basically like, make your SaaS app like enterprise ready. And it was basically like an API that allowed you to create or um, provide enterprise features like single sign-on um, and like directory support. It's like, it's a whole world I'm not even like familiar with yeah. that much. But I was like, that's amazing because if you can just offload that, then they were saying that most people spend like six to 12 months just building out those features and, you know, up to a million dollars in sort of R&D and, and development time. I was like, that's a huge benefit. I mean, same thing with the billing code. Like if you can just swap that out and save yourself a week of work and or just the, um, that mental capacity to work on other things, like that's a, a net positive every time. Yeah. Yeah. I think it will save a, a significant amount of work. And it's funny, I used to read, um, you know, many, many years ago, I would read Patrick McKenzie's blog, uh, and he was running his own SaaS. And he would always talk about how basically anything that wasn't, like you said, wasn't a core competency, core competency, he would, uh, purchase software to kind of take care of that for him. And he would show like his, you know, here's the monthly bill that it takes to run my SaaS. And there mm. were always comments um, from developers. And I, I had similar thoughts of like, you're spending all of this money on things like, why don't you just go build this into your product? And then you don't have to worry about it. Uh, that, that was in my younger, more naive days where uh, <laughs> as, a, as a developer, like you always think, I've seen it too with like uh, referral programs where someone will build a referral program into their, uh, we did this at uh, a startup that I previously worked at. We built our own referral program. It was just like, we should have just used uh, some third party solution and saved so much time, so many headaches with it because uh, it wasn't a core competency. We weren't a referral company. We were a food delivery company. So uh, right. yeah. Yeah, I would yeah, much rather huge. outsource I, now. I I think about it all the time because there's sort of, I don't know, I'm not trying to be like dogmatic about it, but there is uh, some sort of like, you know, wisdom that floats out there or that gets uh, advised of like, well, it's, it's always easier to cut costs than it is to grow revenue. And I agree, but like the definition of, being a business and an entrepreneur is to let your money make more money. And it's usually always easier to deploy capital to make more money than it is to save more money. So it's the trade-offs, right? It's like, okay, well you could spend a year building out these enterprise features and you could save, I don't know, a uh, thousand bucks a month in, um, in SaaS costs, right? If you were to hire a third party app to do that for you, but you've just spent a year of people's salaries and development time, opportunity costs of what you could have built instead of that. And like, does that really outweigh it? I mean, same thing, you know, people get all crazy about intercom pricing and Stripe. And it's like, it's not worth, I don't know if it's worth quabbling over that and trying to reduce the cost by a percent or a couple hundred bucks. Like, why don't you just use that time and money instead to go grow your revenue? Cause like that actually is, that's the, the magic of SaaS is like, it's infinite leverage. You can scale up all the time. So yeah, I don't know. It's, it's like maybe like this old school mentality. That's kind of a little bit too ingrained in the minds of people in, in SaaS. Yeah. You're, uh, <laughs> you're giving me nightmare flashbacks to a company I worked for where, we were using Stripe and the CEO decided it was too expensive. And so we spent a whole bunch of engineering time switching over to authorized.net, which had a oh much less developer friendly experience, um, was quite a headache to integrate. And at the end of it, it was like, did we really end up saving money doing that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm actually, I mean, it's funny you bring it up because I'm actually sort of thinking some of the same things about swipe files. Cause again, people will gawk at like the, the, the tech stack that I have. And I think now it's to run swipe files. It costs about 250 bucks a month ish. And it's like, Oh, you could consolidate and go with this thing over here, or you could build it out yourself. And like the, you know, development costs will be virtually zero. 
And it's like, well, yes, but then I would lose all that time. I wouldn't be able to build out some of the features that a lot of these tools I'm using now are working on. Um, and like my, my focus is on growing revenue. It's not on uh, growing profit, right? Or it's not on right. decreasing costs. And especially like for swipe files, my costs are, are variable, but they, they kind of taper out after a while. Like I think probably like, you know, now getting up and running, it costs about 200 bucks a month, but I think the max it'll probably get to will be like 400 bucks. Whereas the revenue, you know, it'll go from zero to could be a million dollars, you know, $500,000 a year, a hundred thousand dollars a year. And so the profit margin just keeps growing. Whereas the costs don't. Right. Yep. Totally makes sense. So, yeah, I mean, it's like, does it really matter that I would save 200 bucks a month or 300 bucks a month? It's like, no. <laughs> right. <laughs> At the end of the day, it's not a huge difference. Yeah. That's why, uh, yeah, I'm a huge fan of Heroku. Uh, Jetboost runs on Heroku. All of my products always have. It's like, it's a little bit more expensive than using AWS or another solution, but they just take care of so much for you. Um, and make it so much easier to use that to me, it's, it's totally worth it. Yeah. Yeah. Speed over everything and efficiency over everything. Yeah. So I had, um, I had one other topic I was curious to talk to you about. Um, let's do it. Yeah. So, I mean, you've been podcasting for a while, uh, whereas this is my first podcast and, I wanted to chat about, I guess, like the medium of podcasting, because to me, it's felt mm. quite different than um, than other things. So, and the, and the main one being is like when I'm working on products, JetBoost, um, or even something like a newsletter or a blog, it, it seems like it's much easier to get feedback in those versus like the podcast feels very one way, like we put it out there. Um, you know, and what's kind of bringing this about is you shared that tweet of, we, we now have 1% of the downloads that, um, <laughs> I think it was art of product has, uh, yeah. w- w- with them just hitting the million download mark. And mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, this is, this is our 10th episode. Uh, I feel like it's, I feel more comfortable certainly than I did in the first episode. Uh, but like, are we really improving? Uh, are, how do we know mm. if one episode does well or is better or more interesting or engaging uh, other than maybe people commenting on Twitter or whatnot? Uh, I've, I've found that to be kind of interesting how it seems uh, quite difficult to get feedback episode by episode and then also overall uh, just on the show in general. It's true. Yeah, I think... Um... There is that interest. Like you can't just reply to a podcast, right? right? Like you'd have to reply to the newsletter promoting the podcast or the tweet promoting the podcast or right. whatever else it is. Um, and, and usually, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just saying, and so if we tweet out the podcast episode or uh, send it out an email, you still have to then go listen to the episode, then come back right. to, yeah. Yep, Exactly. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe, um, I hadn't really thought about sort of like creating those, those feedback loops. Um, I almost wonder if, you know, cause you'll, you'll see someone or some podcasts, especially with like larger sort of audiences that are already built in, like they'll ask for listener questions and then they'll, you know, play the recording of the, the person asking the question and then they'll answer it in the next one. Um, or uh, there'll be something, you know, that gets someone looped in of like, tell us what you think, or uh, I don't know, like something to ask for that kind of feedback. Um, but it, it is very like ethereal a little bit. Like it, it's, you can't really put your, your finger on like, how well is this doing? And what is this um, resulting for the business? Um, the things I look for, or I don't know, the way I think about it, which is not like the complete picture, is I'm look, looking for trends and downloads. So is the listenership and the estimated subscribers going up over time or is it flat or is it going down? Um, and then like which episodes get the most downloads? Um, 
because that just kind of shows you like right off the bat, if someone's like looking through the list or the archive, like which ones are most kind of striking or appealing Mm. and then which ones are shared organically or maybe you're like respond to, you know, it's like if one episode got a whole bunch of uh, people being like, Oh, just listen to this episode or like, you know, responded and was like, that was a great one. or loved how you said, or it was interesting. You know, the other day we saw, um, I think it was product journey podcast talked about our episode we did on you are not your MRR. Um, mm-hmm. so like something like that, right. Where that seems like kind of a positive signal, but they are a little bit, you know, obscure. Like you kind of have to dig them up and really, really look at, uh, the signals. Like they're not super apparent. Yeah. Yeah. And, and my reasoning behind this is, you know, this is more just from a curiosity perspective. It's not like we've set, uh, you know, goals as far as right number of listeners <laughs> we want to get or down. Like this is more just for fun, um, between us and to hopefully, uh, help people that, that are listening, but it's just, it's, it's so different from when I'm working on Jetboost and there's very clear feedback and people reaching out and, uh, just don't have that with this. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Even with like a blog post, you can share an early draft where you can sort of like tweet out the ideas and like see what people mm-hmm. are responding to or what they're saying about it. But you couldn't be like, Oh, here's like what we're thinking about talking about. Cause it's just, there wouldn't be enough to go off of. Right. Right. Yeah. I don't know. That's an interesting one. I, I almost feel like it's, um, it's related to like the nature of podcasting and that it, it is very like raw and sort of, um, unscripted a lot of times, but it also, it's very much like a sort of like push channel where you're just publishing and then people listen and it's sort of like tuning into a TV show, you know, like a lot of TV production, uh, has created these feedback loops of like doing sort of early showings where they'll, uh, look at the ratings. Um, but they still are kind of going off of like gut feel and vision for what it should be. And, and, uh, trying to maybe be more introspective about what can we do to improve and tweak and stuff. And podcasting is kind of similar in that way of like, you're, you're kind of doing, uh, the feedback yourself. Like it's, it's minimal from the listener perspective. Yeah. Yeah. I think that comparison to TV is, is pretty good. Cool. I don't yeah. know. Maybe there's, maybe there's a business idea in there. It's like, <laughs> a way to, uh, to increase feedback or have some sort of like seating, you know, rating system for podcasts. People know, um, actually one of the things, well, uh, one of the podcast app I've been using most recently is called air because you can sort of like take these quotes and, uh, of a, of a segment in the podcast and then like write notes on it essentially. Um, and they'll even like, you can grab it from the transcript as well. So, and then I can publish that over to, Rome or um, Readwise or wherever I'm sort of like storing that information. And uh, I've noticed like it'll show you like what are the most um, air quoted uh, podcasts. And it's um, at least for me, I don't know how they really do it, but like the list I have, the top two are the Tim Ferriss show and not overthinking, which is like a, uh, like a doctor medical podcast by this guy um i might butcher his name but ali abdal i think is his name i might be switching around one of the words in there but uh and then if you look through you can really see like oh this is what is like striking people you know every tim ferris podcast that i listen to I, I like to go through the quotes to see what people are writing down and what they thought was interesting and memorable and sort of like the notes they're writing to themselves so maybe that's kind of part of the future that's really interesting yeah that makes me think of is it is it somewhat like, uh, you know, on Amazon Kindle where they show you other people's highlights or on, I think they do yeah. on medium as well. Goodreads. That's how it, that's yeah. How medium. It yeah. It's, it's very similar to that where I just see like per episode, I can look at all the quotes that people have drawn and like the notes for them if they're public, unless they've made them private. But then like, there's sort of like a homepage feed as well of like, um, for all the podcasts I'm subscribed to, these are what people are highlighting and air quoting. Cool. All right. I might, I might have to give that app a try. Uh, I've had a 
tough time switching from the default Apple Podcast app, which I know people like to make fun of. Uh, <laughs> oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> you should. I had a hard time switching from Overcast because I had like a whole bunch of playlists and sort of like an archive I already knew, knew that I had worked through. Um, and that's the one big thing missing from error right now is uh, playlists. So like it's kind of a little bit jumbled and a little bit buggy still, but um, I'm kind of bullish on their future. Yeah. It sounds like a compelling reason to give it a try. It's fun. Yeah, I like it. I mean, I haven't taken a ton of air quotes, but uh, the times that I have, like, you know, they're for a purpose. I'm like, I'm glad that I have that sort of stored there. You know, like every time Seth Godin appears somewhere and he's like writing notes or I've actually, I found it really helpful for researching episodes for everything as marketing because I can go like look through a backlog of like, oh, you know, I'm talking to, Eric Banholtz today, for example. And so I went through and listened to a couple of previous episodes. And then I wrote notes about like, oh, he seemed really excited about this part or like make sure to ask about this. Or here's like a couple of topics that I was kind of just drawing out from other people's interviews. Oh man, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, that's fun. That's a good question though. I mean, if people, if the listeners have uh, ideas for us and how we can increase the feedback or do something to make it more of a two-way conversation where we're all ears. Yeah. Or if, yeah, there's more that you want to hear from us or less on certain topics or whatever. I personally would just be curious to know. So yeah, I, I would love that too. get back uh, closer to the customer. So it's a good one. Cool. All right. Well, shall we wrap it? Yeah. Cool. Well, we will have all the uh, notes and mentions we can remember in the show notes. And uh, otherwise, we'll see you in the next one.